Welcome aboard the USS Aeronome. To become a member of our crew, please visit perfectorganism.com slash support. As a patron of Perfect Organism, you'll receive exclusive perks and early access to content. Incoming audio transmission received. Please proceed to Subdeck 3 to begin playback. Thank you, and welcome aboard. I think we ought to discuss the bonus situation. Right. Brett and right. I, we think we ought to, we deserve full shares, right, right baby? You see, Mr. Park and I feel that the bonus situation is... Move! Get out of there! George, move! Dad! Move, Dad! Move, Dad! Welcome to Perfect Organism, the Alien Saga podcast. I am your host, Jamie, and I'm joined by... Patrick, why didn't you say your last name? You're throwing me off. Well, I, I thought we weren't doing that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm not going to start again. We're going to keep this. No, we're keeping it. I'm we're Jamie keeping it. Trader, uh, I'm Patrick, quote-unquote, Green. <laughs> and we're joined by our, some some special guest, uh, a recurring guest, Dave Gogol. Thanks for coming on. No problem. Emphasis on special. <laughs> <laughs> and Michael, how do you say your last name? I don't know if I'm saying your last name right. Scudieri. Scudieri, okay, I'm saying right. You yeah. never know. It's so, a Scudieri. A Scudieri. <laughs> and uh, we are here tonight to talk about some controversial things. And this episode is based off a post that Patrick made called What's Your Unpopular Alien Saga Opinion? And it's probably one of our most popular posts that's been made in our group building better worlds in a long time. It was really great fun. Everyone had a lot of fun. Everyone was respectful and responded with their own ideas. And we're going to go through some of those, probably at least four to six, hopefully maybe more tonight and talk about some opinions that people had that we might disagree with or agree with. Cause I think we should agree with some and then dis- certainly discuss the ones we disagree with. And uh, yeah. So thanks guys, Michael and Dave for being on. Hopefully you guys can be on more. Mm-hmm. And before we get, why'd going, you make that post? Yeah, well, I was going to give you a little bit of context for this post, okay? But also, Michael, I'm going to toss it off to you after this to talk about your background with Alien for people who don't know you yet. So be, be on deck for that. But before I get to that, this post I made this on the way to work last week, and I had this like thought in my head. I was like, this is something that I talk about with friends in person. Um. The fuck was that, Jamie? Was, was that a jet that? plane? That was, was not me. That was, that was Dave. Or Dave, are you at the airport? <laughs> of course I'm at the airport. I'm fly. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, 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 my God. That was gold, Dave. If this guy has kids, the dad jokes are going to be through the fucking roof. Um, no one's dumb enough to have kids with me. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so yeah, so I was on the way to work last week and I was thinking, you know, what are some things that like I used to enjoy talking about online that since then I can only talk about really with friends? Like for example, when Jamie and I text all the time, we can say things like this and make fun of each other and have fun doing it because we really, you know, we respect each other and we kind of assume the best about each other's opinions and we have fun unpacking them. And I was like, I feel like last year even this would have not have been a possible conversation because everybody was very kind of at each other's throats. There was all this infighting about things. But I'm like, you know what? We've been through a shitload this last year, okay? Our studio is, like, disintegrated into Disney at this point. We have no idea if there's a movie coming. We have all of these weird, can I just say, fucking bad Dark Horse miniseries that have been coming out. I'm like, like, what is going on with this shit? We have this RPG that feels like it's still 12 years away, even though I guess it's only three months away at this point. My, my point being, we're kind of in a weird place as a fandom. We've been through a lot, but... A lot of the time, in my experience, when you've been through trauma, at least kind of light, low-grade trauma like this with people that you care about, you can laugh a lot about it. So I was thinking, I bet we're in a place now where I could say, what's your unpopular opinion? And people would have like just a great time and be totally honest and totally open and tease each other and have fun um, and not let it devolve into like a flame war. And I have to say, it was great. Everybody was super chill. Dave is flying to uh, another state as we speak. <laughs> Everybody was super chill. Everybody was having fun. And uh, and I was just reading this thing fucking crying laughing. This thread was so funny. And I just want to say, first off, thank you to everybody who participated in this and everybody who shows up in Building Better Worlds all the time because uh, you are brilliant and very, very funny. Um, and also, um, I just want to thank everybody for being so chill and so civil and i hope we can recapture some of that tonight and i also want to exhort you guys and myself to take unpopular opinions and try to defend them as well because one of the great things about hearing about people's unpopular opinions is we get to uncover you know aspects of things that we might have overlooked because we had an opinion about it in the past Before we get into that, Michael Scudieri, you have been on the show before in a spotlight based on your creative work, but it's been a while since it happened, and you haven't been on as a guest since. So can you give us a little bit of your background for people who might not know you, um, how you came to like the show, and how you were introduced to Alien? Okay. Uh, Alien I've known since before I could talk. Uh, I had those kind of parents. Totally cool. Um, my parents recently told me uh, that I used to sit real close to the, the screen and I'd be sucking my thumb and smiling watching Kane die. So uh, <laughs> actor was sociopath. Early on. Yeah, that's fucking yeah. weird. That's that's you weird. probably drink black coffee too, don't you? <laughs> Do you not drink black coffee? Is that weird? Come come over my place and find out. Oh! <laughs> but don't tell the police where you are. <laughs> Sociopath drink black coffee, right, Dave? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Dave is at 32,000 feet sure right now. He cannot all. respond to this, Jamie. <laughs> I represent that statement. Perfect. Uh, my family are all artists. So, uh, and my dad was a, a huge fan of um, Metal Hurlant. Hurlant? Uh, Mobius and all that, and he's a, a pretty unbelievable artist himself. Uh, so I, I had all that, and he was into Alien, and, and the artistry of Alien is probably the thing that uh, has, has um, 
kept me going on it and everything. Plus, uh, it's it's such a uh, a, a masterclass in suspense and, and tension and uh, building building tension and all that. Uh, I think that's that's for some reason the thing that that probably attracts me to it the most is is just the tension that's built up in the mystery, the mystery and the tension. So. Uh, it seems to have an endless supply of books when you watch the original and you just cut everything else out. So. And you want to give people a little heads up where they can check out your work because it is fucking cool and it is worth checking out. Oh, thanks. Uh, yeah, it's uh, just michaelscudiri.com. So, um, yeah, the last name is S-C-U-D-I-E-R-I. So it's michaelscudiri.com and that's, that'll link out to Instagram and all that stuff. So, yeah, it'll have uh, all the stuff from uh, Ash and everything like that. The first issue is very, very near complete. Um, I have two pages left, uh, and then uh, I'm just going to spring it on everyone very soon. Nice. So, very nice. Yeah. Very nice. It's going to be good. <laughs> and for the record, Dave Gogol runs and is the founder of Xenomorphing, xenomorphing.com, and the Facebook page as well. Everyone is, who's in the community kind of knows about it. Um, mm-hmm. He's been sort of a, a part of the Perfect Organism family for I would say a good three years at least, right, Dave? Uh, it's been three years already. Shit, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That went by fast. Went by really fast. Crazy. So should we get into this, folks? Let's do it. Let's fucking do it. Let's do it. So, <laughs> Patrick, I want you to read yours first. Not yours, but whatever My one you My personal choose. one, or you want me to kind of start to start with one? Okay. Yeah. So now a disclaimer before we get into this, there are 262 comments on this thing, so it's going to take us a minute to scroll through. The, due to the magic of editing, we might be able to mit- mitigate that a little bit, but um, if, if there's ever, uh, if you hear us kind of going, it's because we're scrolling through 262 things, but I found mine that I wanted to start with, okay? Keep in mind, I'm not necessarily advocating this opinion, okay? I'm bringing it up for conversation's sake. Don't fucking kill me. Tyler Thompson says that he likes the AVP films more than the prequels. What are you guys' thoughts on that? Uh, <laughs> no, no. I can't say that. I can't say that. Those, I mean, those AVP films are shit. Like, uh, the first one is kind of fun, but that Requiem is, ugh, boy. How Man. about this? How about this? Because we, I think we can agree, even if there are unpopular opinions in favor of Requiem, which I know there's at least one of them, which <laughs> probably won't even read on the air. For the sake of argument, let's assume that Tyler Thompson, although he has a crazy opinion, is saying that Requiem is in its own boat, and he's really talking about the first AVP film. Do any of you like the first AVP, AVP film more than the prequels? No. Mm-mm. No. no. Um, I would say that the first AVP film is more watchable than Prometheus in terms of the story and the dialogue. Prometheus is a better made film for sure. Um, but AVP, the first AVP film, I just, it's, I can sit down and watch it. It's, it's dumb, but it's enjoyable. Whereas with Prometheus, I cannot listen to that dialogue. I cannot listen to those characters speak. So. Well, we, we've, we've mentioned many times <laughs> in the past that you and I both watch it on mute. When we try to watch yeah. Prometheus. I go, <laughs> I go as long as I can listening to them. And then I'm like, okay, I'm just going to watch it happen at this point. Yeah. You know, I will say that the one thing that I always bring up when people talk about the first AVP movie, there's two things I always bring up. One is that I can watch it with my kids and they absolutely love it. And that's nice to have. It's nice to have something like that in this, you know, horror franchise that is like okay to show a younger generation. So I can appreciate that. The other thing is that the fucking queen runs through a whale skeleton. How do I get out of this chicken shit outfit? And that is yeah, just that is just one of the great scenes in cinema history. And I have a yeah. gif of that that I have on my phone. And I don't even send it to people anymore. I just fucking watch it 
because it's a queen <laughs> alien running through a fucking whale skeleton, and that alone <laughs> elevates it pretty high in my book. You secure that shit. The pyramid is pretty cool. Yeah. Like the whole, and I like the, um, when the, uh, the alien killed the predator, there was one cool shot when it fades back and he's on the skulls. That was pretty dope. The thing I, I, I thought it was, it's a great action movie. It's entertaining to watch. I would agree. It's, uh, um, dialogue ways much easier to, to swallow. Um, the only thing I, that's always bothered me about it from the first time is that it feels too much like a, a summer action film. The tone of it is, uh, not in line with, what you want it to be you know you're you're hoping for 40 miles of bad road right which is on paper what that movie is for the most part i would think but um you know just some of the dialogue some of the catchphrasey stuff um i think it harkens back to predator and arnold's more than you know uh alien aliens alien 3 which is for you know what i was paying to see i wanted something a little bit more um you know genuinely dark and uh troubling I'd agree with that. <laughs> Here's the thing. All right. So so Paul W.S. Anderson, to me, is such an interesting case study because he's clearly a talented filmmaker. He's done things that are really amazing in his career, but they've been, of course, like split apart by things that are just awful. But he also is the guy that did Event Horizon, which is one of those movies that is like horrifying and really memorable and really dark. And um, and it's a movie that I don't even know if I actually enjoy it very much, but I'm like, it's definitely a movie that I take seriously for whatever reason. And, uh, and he'd made, you know, AVP not that long after event horizon. He was still that filmmaker when he made it. So I guess what I'm getting at is like, clearly the studio wanted a particular type of movie from this. And as we've seen in fandom, like there's a, a, like people really would love to have seen music of the spears as a film. They would have really loved to have seen the first AVP comics as a film. They would have loved to have seen, um, you know, for example, uh, the, the 2002 video game made into a movie. Because those are all like great ways of handling that lore. It's not a dumb concept, okay? Aliens vs. Predator clearly is like a marketing angle because they're both owned by the same studio and it was easy to license these two aliens at the same time. But when it's told well, it really works as a mythology. This idea of there being the, you know, the, that the, that the predators are basically trying to control the xenomorph as like a hunt, as like a prey item. And then the prey item, because it's more than they bargained for, can get, get a, an upper hand on the, on the, on the predators. And then like in the midst of that, there are these interesting cultural things about the ways predators hunt and the ways predators like, you know, band together. It's a, it's a, actually an interesting template for storytelling. And the alien crossovers have not been entirely bad. Like one, one of the ones that I was going to put, is that like I think Alien versus Judge Dredd is like fucking awesome. That is something that I I could read that any day of the week. And those crossover comics, like the Batman one, the Superman one, even like those are really enjoyable pieces of work to me. And um, I guess it's worth kind of unpacking why and why the AVP film that we can take at least somewhat seriously doesn't work for us. And I would posit that it's because it's not aware of itself. It's trying to basically water down Alien to make it palatable enough for general audiences without making it anything more than that or anything intentionally less than that, right? Like, it's not ridiculous on purpose, but it is kind of accidentally ridiculous. And I, I think mm. it's kind of a problem from a tonal standpoint. Mm. Well, I'll say, I'll say that I think that Paul W.S. Anderson really attempted to create something solid and entertaining. I, I could tell that he wanted to tell. I mean, I don't know. I think Event Horizon is a one-off for him. Most of his films are not good films. Uh, he struggles with story. He doesn't struggle with the films looking good. He struggles with his films being good. And AVP, 
the first one is great and for what it is. It's fun. It doesn't, it is an alien. It's not predator. It's this weird mix of more, like you said, Michael, more predator than sort of anything else, but it's really, I mean, for what it is, it's a fun time. I mean, I own both films, whereas AVP Requiem is just trash. That's shit. There was no, they clearly hired like people who were holding up the, the lights to direct an alien film or to direct a, a AVP film, like the gaffers or whatever. Like they hired like, like the people holding the, the, the mic poles to direct this film. <laughs> Just doesn't make any goddamn sense. They were direct, definitely not hiring people who were holding lights to <laughs> make it because there was fucking no <laughs> lights in that movie at all. Oh, well, that's true. I, was, that's true, I true. didn't see anything. So at least a gaffer <laughs> would have known that. Or that's why there was no lights. Yeah, there was nobody holding them up because they were behind the camera. Maybe that's the problem. <laughs> uh, uh, hold it, hold it, hold it. I gotta shoot this. Put down the lights. <laughs> I we watched it a few weeks ago, but ugh, eh. You did. But I we, saw you, Google. You tried to watch it again. Some of the effects. Are I did. Cool. Um, I did. I rewatched all the movies, and uh, when I got to the AVP movies, Rucker Room was tough to get through. Really, really tough. But you did get yeah, through it. Yeah, it's the same thing I said before we were on. I when people, anyone who's ever asked me about it, I'm like the main character is a pizza boy. It's like, yeah, <laughs> it's like Aliens versus Predator versus Dawson's Creek. It's yeah, <laughs> awful. That's Ugh. a good way to put it. I, I, when we were talking about this before we were recording, I was mentioning to the guys, you know, because Michael brought up the Pizza Boy. But I was saying, I don't remember that because I saw it one time. I saw it opening night and I immediately was like, I fucking hate this movie, but I have to sit through it. And I sat there and I watched it with a gr- an actual grimace. Like I was grimacing during this movie. And I was there with friends and we all walked out and we were all like, what the fuck was that? And I just didn't talk to anybody. It's like went home after it. And I have never seen it again. I've never read the Wikipedia article, the IMDb page. I know nothing about that movie because I fucking hate that it exists. Better off. <laughs> I hate that it is a thing. And I'm now, sorry. Yeah. Some people might describe a little bit, Patrick, how I was reacting to my first and second screening of Alien Covenant. I was grimacing. Ooh. I was angry. I didn't hate it. I don't hate it at all, as we've discussed. But I'm just saying, I had that kind of passion. Like, don't you fucking put your arms out and bow to that fucking android. You know, like, yeah, I was really, really angry. <laughs> Interesting. Mine, mine was the opposite. I went from uh, really, really loving it. The more I thought about it, I went, no, I didn't like that. They don't like that. Eh. <laughs> I'm assuming you're talking about Covenant, not Requiem, Dave. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay, who's next? Uh, I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. Uh, all right. Uh, I don't know if I read out the name, but uh, here's one. Prometheus and Covenant are just bad fan fiction movies made by people that didn't bother to watch the original movies. Hmm. Well, now, some of those people I made the per- original movies, which is, I, I think... Yeah, pretty, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Ridley Scott saw Alien. I'm not 100% on that. <laughs> you might need to research it, but I'm considering <laughs> all the unused concepts. I mean, Prometheus and Covenant are pretty much, hey, we didn't use that before. Let's use that now. It's original. And, you know, um, it's they clearly saw the movies. I get it. They have faults. I mean, you all know how much I worship Prometheus. I'm not going to champion like it's fucking... Uh, Blade Runner or anything. I love the movie. It's not perfect. Covenant is a beautiful mess of ridiculousness, but at least it's entertaining. But come on. 
come on now. That's a, that statement is a little out of control. Yes, it's way out of control. Right? <laughs> yeah. It's like toxic fandom. I'm commenting, but I haven't read the article. You know exactly. Yeah, yeah. Which I which I've done. But yeah, guilty. But hang on. But, but let's but let's take it seriously Who for a second, it? okay? That is a common complaint, the fan fiction part, right? That it is over-reliant, Jamie, you've said this yourself, over-reliant on tropes, that it's over-reliant on plot points from previous <laughs> films, especially Covenant. Um, yeah. I don't, think, I don't think Prometheus could really be construed as, like, valid for this fan fiction argument because it's so different in so many ways. But, but Covenant, in a lot of ways, suffers from trying too hard to hit similar points as, uh, as Alien, especially. And um, and I, I can see what he's saying, although I love the film. I, I can see that. Yeah, well, Covenant has bits of Alien, uh, uh, beats from Alien, to use the, the term you guys like to use. It has from uh, <laughs> Aliens and Alien 3. It's like a mix of, as I've said a million times, it's Alien Covenant, The Force Awakens. You know, it's what it tried to be. And that's why yep. it's such a, it's all over the place. It's, you know, when it hits, it hits. But when it misses, it's a little uncomfortable. Yeah, like like when David plays on the flute, the Prometheus theme that was cringeworthy. Totally breaking of the fourth. That was sure. that was. Ugh. But uh, but then it, there's the opposite side with the whole back person stuff. With other than them slipping on the blood eight million times, it was fucking. Was one of the tense sequences in the entire franchise. Absolutely, hundred percent. I mean, it's every time I watch it, whether even from the first time I saw it in the theater on Alien Day to watching it on Blu-ray for the. Um, upteenth time that scene is always so good and then it falls into the tropes the guy gets a smoke he dies they have sex they die and that is totally where it suffers i completely it's and then it's in the last third of the movie the alien is you know out in the open like he's throwing a party he's like hey remember me i was mysterious just kidding uh Daniels kills the aliens like she's been fighting them their whole life alongside uh, Amanda Ripley and Zula Hendricks. Just, she's like the Pied Piper, follow me, follow me. It's like, come on. But then it's really cool with the atmosphere and the setting. It's just it's like a Jekyll and Hyde movie. And I think a lot of uh, people's feelings on Covenant comes down to how they reconcile the Hyde parts. For me, for example, David playing the Prometheus theme on the flute is not breaking any fourth wall. It's introducing like a layer of mystery to it, and I'm wondering like why he's doing that and what that's referencing and what that means for the film and what you that means about to, You listen to the soundtrack, obviously. <laughs> he, has it, he has it on vinyl, right? But, but yeah. it's just, that's not a it's, but that's not a normal thing though, Patrick. Like no, that, that, that doesn't usually happen in yeah. films, especially like franchise films where they're playing the theme song from another like that just doesn't happen and it's not that the music was bad, it's like it just was like for, play something play play Bach. Play play yeah. some classical piece, not some yeah. other composer's theme that they wrote. But see, but, but here's the thing is, is that I don't think that that's what's happening. This I think isn't of it, Deadpool. What's that? That's something for Deadpool. Like Breaking the fourth wall. Deadpool no, but, humming but see, the Avengers theme. The way that I look at it is that the theme in Prometheus in the first film was more diegetic than we're giving it credit for. It was basically the music of that film coming to life. It wasn't like an external soundtrack. That that theme was sort of the music of David's journey. And that David coming self-actualized on the planet in Covenant. <laughs> Jamie is shaking his head so hard he's going to fucking yeah. lose his dentures. That that scene I like that. I like was that. coming. That, that when it came out of him 
was showing because this whole thing is about how like you have to learn how to play the notes to play the symphony that there are that you can dream in symphonies it's about going into dream states and it's about trans it's about going going outside of reality and finding something fantastical and making it real and to me like his whole character hinged on this idea of an impossibility that by being flawed and being human he was creative and because of that he was breaking a paradigm and in another way formalistically speaking he was breaking the paradigm of that first film with this film by making the music of the first film actually retroactively diegetic. And that guy who comments in every fucking Podbean episode that he hates me is going to fucking hate that I'm saying a lot of big words. Go fuck yourself. Go ahead. <laughs> All right, well, let's listen. <laughs> yes! Well, he's... I won't say his name. That's proof that if you're... You could word anything and make up for a ridiculous concept. Sorry. It's beautifully <laughs> worded and romantic as that was. <clears throat> you don't... It's... it's there's no defending that scene. And uh, I'm with you, Patrick. I, I, Thank you, Michael. Uh, not, Thank uh, you, Michael. But it's, I would have the same problem with in, fans. The, in the original Alien when Ripley is in the Narcissist and she's by herself and the alien's gone and she turns on music and it's a Jerry Goldsmith theme. I would be like, what? Yeah, but, what but that's not what I'm talking about thematically. The whole point is that David breaks the rules of the world that he's in. That's the whole point of that character. The whole point of him is that he transcends the limits mm. of the film that he's in. So uh, ideally, I can understand what you're saying. Narratively, it does not work. It yep. narratively takes me right out. It's like, yep. and also, but that's really like minutia for me. Mm-hmm. Like, Obviously, and I just watched The Force Awakens again recently, and I'll throw it back to Covenant in a second. And and I haven't seen it in a long time. I had loved the film. I still enjoy it, I guess. But the last time I watched it with some friends two weeks ago, I was like, I'm bored. And, oh, look, just like A New Hope. Oh, look, just like A New Hope. Oh, the, the Millennium Falcon's being tractor beamed into another ship. Oh, that sounds familiar. Like and it was beat after beat after beat after beat of the Force Away of A New Hope. Motherfucker, come on! And I recently bought Covenant on 4K and it's beautiful. Yeah, and, I, and we've been through this somewhat before, but I really like uh, passengers wake up and oh, where are we? Oh, I don't know. <gasps> we're out. We're out doing something. Oh, look, beacon. Oh, we're getting a beacon from a planet. Oh, let's go explore this planet. Oh, we're gonna go into a derelict. Oh, someone died. Let's shoot him out the airlock. I mean, it's beat after beat after beat of Alien. It just is. And I think it's does some really great new things for sure. And, you know, there's some wonderful things. I don't have to I don't have to qualify that again. Um, what I love a film for sure. But the more I see it, much like The Force Awakens, the less it holds up. Hmm. The, the, more, the more it relies uh, thematically on Alien, musically on Alien. It's not its own film. Mm. It's a that relies on yep. other films to tell its story. Alien 3 does not do that. Alien does, well, it's the first of the film, but anyway. <laughs> Alien, 3, <laughs> Alien 3 doesn't do that. It, but Prometheus does it, though. Prometheus relies on the elements of past films to tell its stories, where you have a crew, yeah, they're going somewhere, but they go down there, they explore a derelict, they bring something back, all hell breaks loose. It, this Maybe there's not an alien, but... The engineers, which I love, st- stand in the place of the alien for sure. Even aesthetically, they stand in that place. But there's also, I think, there's a lot more creatively going on in Prometheus than there's ever yeah. going on. In at least Prometheus also- tries to, to be its own thing. I mean, at least you know, I know you guys can't stand the dialogue. I'm a, I can handle it. But um, thematically, you love that just- dialogue, go. He loves that dialogue. You fucking yeah. love it's- that dialogue. You fucking He's like that shit. shit. <laughs> <laughs> 
Listen, I, we, we do have to move on from this. I want to say one thing. Okay, I I agree that <laughs> plot point wise, <laughs> that plot point wise, it totally echoes Alien too much. It's too slavish to it. I agree that musically mm-hmm. it employs themes from Alien. Although we just did a whole episode on this, and I don't think that it's overly slavishly reliant on it. But I can see that argument. Thematically, I fucking one hundred percent disagree with you. I actually think the themes in Covenant are so far away from the themes in Alien that I'm not even distracted by the plot similarities because I'm focusing on very different things. And I think that that might be a gateway into why we have different... I'm I'm flapping my fingers a lot. That might be a gateway into why we have very different feelings about the film, even though we both love and hate almost the same exact elements of it. I mean, the more we talk about it, the more I'm like, yeah, the same complaints that I have of it are the same complaints you have of it. But the thing is that to me, the themes and Covenant are fascinating on their own and very different from Alien and I and I and I go towards those themes and away from the, the complaints that I have about similar plot points. The themes in a Force in the Force Awakens are the same fucking themes as New Hope. Like that is something that I, I mean yeah. to me and JJ Abrams as talented as he is does that really well. He does incredible fan, you know, uh not testaments um it's not like a fan production. It's like a fan tribute, right? He does these, um, yeah. like, Star Trek. That's why he gets these franchises to quote-unquote reboot. Is because he can well, just kind of... Well, he his houses. Yes, exactly. And he can do it again, and people will go see it, and it will be good, and people will enjoy it. I still enjoy The Force Awakens a lot. I don't I go do to sleep thinking about it at night. As do I. I still think about Covenant in my dreams, though, and that to me signals that it is thematically different enough to warrant being taken more seriously. I'm going to shut up. Let's move on. Uh, okay, I want to make one last oh, statement. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> Here's the because you were saying we agree about certain a lot of things about Covenant, and we really do. But I think where I differ from you is the entirety of Alien Three and definitely Aliens. But I talk about Alien and Alien Three because for me those movies are like sacred holy relics in my opinion, and and the subject matter is treated with reverence and. As as sacred objects, Ripley as a sacred object, the alien as a sacred object, the space, and I did not get that feeling of sacredness at all from Covenant. Bitch, what not happens when the chess person comes out in Covenant? It plays a fucking hymn tune. You're, uh, that you're, is sacred. You're, you're you're being really that literal. That is sacred, here. Jamie. I'm not, I'm not, no. <laughs> that is sacred. Anyways, church is in session. Jamie, Let's fucking Jamie, move on. Jamie, every frame of Covenant is five or eighteen layers of multicultural. References to Lawrence of Arabia and rare, unread poems that were only written in 1885 BC by a writer who died while thinking of the word android and his first eight initials of his family were David. Holy shit. So please, please don't say a bad word about that. Show some goddamn respect. (laughs) Michael, you want to go? You got one? Um, mine was, uh, about Covenant actually being a good movie and talking about how people who, uh, liked that one or or hated that one loved aliens, implying that, you know, they don't like the highbrow, all that kind of stuff. I don't totally agree with this statement, but I, I would say, uh, it, it relates to my personal, probably unpopular opinion with a lot of people that, um, I think out of the original three movies, the the second one is probably my least favorite at this point. You do not want to fuck with me. I love it, but it's my least favorite of the the original three. Um, and uh, at this point, I think I probably watch that the least. I think I watch Covenant and Prometheus more than I watch Aliens at this point. So thanks for being on the show, Michael. We really. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Yeah. No, I, I, I know. I know. Jamie and I agree with you on that, but but Dave, you're a pretty yeah, big Aliens do. fan, yeah. so let's. Let, why don't you fucking stick up for it? 
Well, listen, I've seen Aliens more times than I can count, but it's it's still my favorite. I watch Prometheus more than Aliens now. It's not because I don't think Aliens is a good movie. I just have more to discover watching Prometheus than I do Aliens, which I've seen more times than I can count, which, granted, isn't very high, but that's beside the point. It's there's because in, in the new movies, whether even though I some parts of Covenant drive me crazy, there's a little more discovered just the way they're shot. Like I joked about before, every it's they're made a little bit more, a little more um, artsy fartsy, so to speak, where there's a little more stuff to play with and break down and research where aliens. It's it's a little bit there's there's some stuff you could break down. But it's a little more straightforward. So on Covenant and Prometheus being newer. It makes sense. And saying, like, Aliens, at least out of Alien and Alien 3, isn't really an insult. The three excellent movies, just a matter of taste. Mm. And it's and those three movies are interchangeable, really depending upon, you know, where you're on your life or what you're feeling. There's All three of those movies could fit whatever the fuck you're going through. So, it's there uh, to me, Alien, those the top three movies are completely interchangeable, depending upon what, you know, what your mood is. Yeah, well said. I, I would agree with you, especially on the point of Covenant and Prometheus being new, because... I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you guys that uh, the more, especially Covenant, the more I watch it, uh, the less I'm able to tolerate a lot of it. Um, I really enjoyed it on its merits when I first saw it, but uh, and Aliens, I'm also gonna kind of uh, go back on what I said a little bit that I think Aliens is a better film all around, clearly, than either Covenant or Prometheus. Uh, because it doesn't, for the reasons you guys mentioned, it doesn't lean on the the beats of the previous film. You know, um, it's uh, I, maybe it was you guys who were talking about it that um, the the initial, the first, the opening sequences of Aliens were still in um, Ridley Scott's film. You know, uh, and then after that, James Cameron starts opening up the universe himself, and uh, you know, makes it his own. It takes it in a whole different direction now. I think the thing that I'm tired with is not necessarily Aliens itself, but um, the fact that so much of the extended universe and the books and novels and especially comic books and video games want to retread everything. You know, the the superficial elements of that story with just shooting aliens up and that completely undermines the uh, um, uh, what's the what's the, the horror writer's the horror writer guy, um, Edgar Allan Poe, the elements, the other guy, uh, <laughs> Lovecraft, King, H.P. Lovecraft, the Lovecraftian King? elements oh, oh. of Alien are completely undermined if you continue down that that road. They're still intact in Aliens, I think, in a really great way because it, it's obvious how how it's still intact there. But uh, it's still a really frightening experience. He was able to to keep that going, but um, you know. If you keep just doing soldiers versus aliens immediately after that that second film, it's it's just kind of all right. We've seen this before. Like there's the entire Colonial Marines series, which wasn't horrible and the artwork was good, but um, you know, like all right, it's it's time to get inventive again, and which is why I will never stop loving that third movie. They went completely the other direction, whereas William Gibson really worthy effort um, and. Uh, strong script with a, a lot of good uh, political um, uh, commentary running through it, I think. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if that was the right direction when I when I look at it. I can see why it wasn't, why Brandywine didn't want to go with that one. 
Um, and Alien 3, I think, was just a total, I mean, that is the best possible outcome for that character. I think that was a great way to end the series and Ripley and uh, just draw it to a close without overdoing it, which then they continued to do. I fucking love Alien 3 so much. What a great movie. Yeah, me too. What about that assembly cut? What do you guys prefer? Well, actually, that was going to be the next one I was going to bring up. You want you want to go? You want to throw that on the table? There's some actually. Can I can I pull up the thread on this? So Bradley John sure. Sudbeck, good friend of the show, good friend of ours, says he likes the theatrical cut of Alien 3 better. And then he got about 700 people agreeing with him. So he was like, maybe this too. isn't. Yeah, so do <laughs> I. But I let's do, let's yeah. let's let's talk about this. But let's also read through some of the comments on here. You know, we can kind of like unpack it. So. Um, there's a, a scene from the office of people giving a high five. I said that I agreed with him. Um, let's see who else says that. So Aaron Lee Peck says, the only thing I would change about the assembly cut is keep the dog bursting scene, remove all the ox scenes. <laughs> there's a lot of ox scenes and keep the theatrical ending. Okay. Uh, Bradley says in response to Aaron that he's on board with that. The reason he prefers the theatrical cut are for those two key differences. The dog was more emotionally impactful than the ox. Yeah, I fucking agree with that. And the I final agree. chest burst with Ripley was a nice touch. Aaron agrees with them. Mitch Mitchell, our, another good buddy of ours, says, I prefer highly up, the Mitch? dog burst edit. What up, Mitchie? But the queen bursting is too over the top. It looks silly and lessens her sacrifice if it pops out that quickly. I think it's a ton more meaningful if she still had a chance when she decided, when she decided to jump. Mitch... I'm going to fucking on air agree with you about that, okay? I have never <clears> thought about it until you said that. I agree that it is more powerful, actually, if she jumps without even knowing if she necessarily had to. That is very powerful. I'm going to go ahead and jump on that. Let's wrap this up. So um, then uh, our another good friend of ours, Jason, starts getting into a troll battle with uh, with Bradley. This was a lot of fun. This went on for about 40 comments. Um, but my point being, it was a really interesting conversation and there was more, um, agreement around that than I think any of us would have expected. And that is surprising because the narrative in popular culture that has emerged from this is that it was the assembly cut that basically, uh, was responsible for this, you know, renaissance of opinion on Alien 3. Again, I was supervised by Charles Lazarica, really good friend of ours, one of the best dudes out there incredibly talented this is not a knock on charles de las rica by any means but it's interesting that in culture people are kind of talking about it like well now it's the movie it was kind of supposed to be now it's a masterpiece to me the theatrical cut is the masterpiece and it is a stronger yeah. film for many reasons yeah. than the assembly cut but there's also some holes in the theatrical cut in terms of big ones um what's yeah. the character's name with the bl- with the blood all over Gollum. his face that's yeah. in the infirmary Gollum. he disappears there's another scene too where a character just disappears or no in the assembly cut where they trap the alien and then they let the alien out someone lets yeah. the alien out mm-hmm. because yeah. they they revered and it's like that's ridiculous it's ridiculous that someone would have done that right um so to me that just like that takes the masterpiece and breaks it in half like it's, no. that's, that's like it's like pr- prometheus level ridiculous no, I mean the guy. Mm. The guy's nuts. He's he's. Yeah, I thought releasing it was on point. I like mind. that. He thinks. Yeah. I love the idea because it's like it's so ridiculous that it's it's tragic. It's it's such a David Fincher move to me. Um, it's just so de- everything about it is like oh they trapped it like we've they finally somebody finally trapped this thing and then the guy lets it. I thought it was fantastic the first time I saw that I was like wow that is a, a major. I don't know. I th- I thought that really worked for me. I, I guess know. in I'm theory I could un- 
Uh, thanks for coming on the show. You secure that shit. No. Um, <laughs> Get the fuck I out. I think in theory, I understand what you're saying. I just feel like it was, it to me, it seemed like a device to get the alien out again. Because at that point, with well, the aliens trapped, I guess the film is sort of going to end soon, right? Not that the right. film should have ended, but they need it to get loose again. So, oh, let's have someone let it free. So to me, I felt like it felt like a plot, um, a device more than it felt like a store to let this thing loose again. Then it felt like a, an important moment in the story. That's all. I mean, I agree. I, 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 I get what you're saying. Fair. I'll, I'll go with you. Fair. I'll go with you that I feel like maybe if they had something happening dramatically, that would have forced him to do that somehow, as opposed to he's just nuts. He, he let it out. Cause he thinks that, you know, it's speaking to him in his, in his thoughts and dreams. Uh, maybe if, if somehow there was something else uh, dramatically or uh, narratively going on that that would have forced him into that position somehow, I think that might have been a little bit more interesting. Uh, I'll, I'll go that far. And I would think that maybe part of why it's not super powerful um, is that it forces a fourth act into the film and it makes it because of that more um, uh, directly parallel to the two previous movies. The great, like one of the great innovations of Alien was the fourth act. That was like such a shock for people mm-hmm. that it was on the Narcissus with her and that the movie was not over yet, right? And then in Aliens, Cameron, like he gets away with it because the movie is just so incredibly well made and so propulsive that you kind of, he could do anything. Like the Alien could turn into a fucking mm-hmm. dildo and you'd still be like, okay, it makes sense because it's so good. Well, it basically is, right? it, Well, essentially it is, right. Um, and then in the end, the Queen dildo Although, of course, you know, observation. thank you. Yes. Yes. Well, well done, Michael, the, the artist on the, on staff here. So like in the fourth one, the queen dildo, of course, pops out and forces a fourth act again. And it's Don't like, it's like, okay, I guess like we can go with this. But um, that's something that people have an issue with. How did she get on the ship? How did all these other things, right? And also, like, it's clearly paralleling the first film. Alien 3 gets a de facto fourth act if the alien gets let out again. And it becomes less novel. And I 1,000% agree with you guys. That's right. I never thought of that. Why, that's fair. The reason why Alien, is, uh, alien 3 is so fucking brilliant is because it is so different. And it is because it is nope. so different because of Vincent Ward. And that is something that we just do not talk about enough. Even though uh, we have a whole episode on it, Vincent yeah, Ward is so reason that movie that is so crazy because he he had no business being anywhere near an alien movie. Like he was just compl- a complete. He just done this this fantasy film, this New Zealand crazy fantasy movie that won at a festival, and he was on the radar of the studio. And they were like, "Why don't we have this random fucking dude who was kind of like a Ridley Scott who had just done a historical epic, right? Come and direct this movie." And Vincent exactly. Ward, because he's brilliant and nuts, was like, well, we're going to make it about a floating monastery, right? Which, who, who would ever have the idea to do that? But he had just been working... It's fantastic. With, he'd been working with, like, mythology and with monks and shit, and he, like, was in that headspace. And that's why that happened. And so then all the subsequent rewrites and all of the reworkings had to react to that. So even though he was gone for years before the movie was made, everything that happened between him and the film being finished was in response to that fucking crazy-ass script that he gave them, which I love and which is one of my favorite unproduced scripts ever made. So, like, so Vincent Ward is the reason why it's so novel. And I think that's why it's so strong. But I would say that Fincher has been ha, did go on record to say that he wasn't a big fan of alien th- of aliens, um, and I think there's definitely a lot of Fincher. Of course, there 
tons of Vincent Ward. I mean, Aliens does rely on some beats from Alien. It's just, you, you know, some sure. major beats from Alien. The Queen in the End. Uh, there's a final countdown. She's got to get out. She doesn't go back for a cat. She goes back for a little girl. I mean, there's some, but like you said, Patrick, the film is so different. It, 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 it uh, explores such different territory that we can forgive that. Um, the Force Awakens can't do that. The Force Awakens doesn't explore that strong territory enough for us to s- overlook Starkiller Base or overlook all of the other beats. And that takes somebody really smart, and Cameron was. 100% agreed. Yeah. All right, should we go to the next? Let's do it. Uh, okay, uh, I'll go. Um, our friend Bryant Dillon says, "What up, Alien Resurrection? Alien Resurrection wasn't that bad. Just needs a few tweaks. Alien Resurrection is horseshit. It is garbage. <laughs> now, it's beautiful. It's well made. It is not an alien film. Tonally, it's not an alien film. Yep. It's just it's this anomalous, well put together, terribly written thing." that is off floating in space somewhere like Zod and the rest of them in, in the Superman, whatever that thing where they were in. Um, but yeah, I, I, but I also like uh, people who tend to don't kill me, Bryant. I, I don't want to, a lot of people who are fans of Firefly and like marginal science fiction, that's really saccharine. Marginal tend to like science fiction. Oh, people are going to yes. lose their Josh shit, People are going to fucking, you're going to get certain Josh kind of people Whedon. talking to that hate you. Josh Whedon is not a good, he's not a good writer. He just isn't a good writer. No, he he's written not. written some good stuff. Motherfucker, come on! He has written some good stuff. The first Avengers film was great. Buffy was ridiculous. Angel was all right. Josh Whedon is not a good writer. Look at, I mean, he just isn't. And He's really largely, and that it. largely, the Alien Resurrection fails because of its story, not because of its visuals, not because of its acting. Some of the mm-hmm. casting too was shit for sure, and oh, certainly Christy. the direction, the direction of it, where it felt like this parody, like weird. I'm gonna take a piece of brain from my head and look at it. Uh, and be fucking like, cross-eyed. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna wake up in the middle of the night and there's hair all over my shoulders and I'm gonna be freaked out. Like, yeah, you just sound like Dan Hedaya. <laughs> no, I don't mind Dan Hedaya. Yeah, you fucking hate I love him. him God, no, I don't you mind. Know, him. Dan I don't, come good. on. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just a bad film. It just really is, and I I yeah. I understand. I think I do that with certain films where you try to like be the voice for the stick up for the film. There is no sticking up for alien resurrection. Oh, this is a bad film. No, there isn't. I mean, yes, there is, but it's, it's one of those films in fandom. That's almost universally loathed. Yeah. Like if you don't have dignity for in yourself or your fandom. Yeah, absolutely. You (laughs) (laughs) You want it. Don't kill me. So here, so here's the thing. So, Alien Resurrection, I feel like, actually is not universally loathed, and I think that this thread is is a really good uh, indicator of that, because there's... So, here we go. So, Scott Crimson Walker. I like Alien Resurrection. I like what it showed corp-wise. I thought the movie was good. Mark Smith. I like Resurrection way more than Covenant. Let's see. Let's see. Okay, so Dominic Nardi. Resurrection had some interesting ideas, but lousy execution. Alien 3 has nothing interesting. Travis Dean says all the movies are great and enjoyable if you like them for what they are. There, there are uh, there are many people down here who say that they actually like uh, the fourth film, and I have to say that I do not hate it. 
by any stretch of the imagination. There are things in Resurrection that I like. So the, this, the reason why I'm going to say that, you know, an example of an unimpeachably terrible movie is AVPR, okay? That is a movie that is not worth talking about because it is trash on every conceivable mm. level. Alien Resurrection is a movie that is not complete trash, although the end result is trash. The constituent parts of that trash are interesting. It's kind of like Sea Glass, right? It's garbage, but it's garbage that's interesting to look at. Or, or Tape Global, <laughs> right? Or just Long Island, right? It's all the same thing. Here's the thing. It's made by a director who is, like, quantitatively speaking, brilliant. I mean, he has turned out incredible work. The effects were nuts on that movie. It was like, I mean, in, in some ways, some of the best practical effects we've gotten in the whole series. That's not ADI anyone's had... issues, though, with the film. No, but what, I'm saying, well, what I'm aren't saying they... is that Art, there are... Artful Dodger Patrick over here. The Artful Dodger. <laughs> fart, fartful. There are many things to, to like about this movie. The cinematography is groundbreaking with the colloidal silver. Sure. It was, and it was shot by a brilliant person. Um, Jean-Pierre yes. is a great filmmaker. The uh, mm-hmm. Tom Woodruff and Alec Gillis did some of their best work on this movie. They had the biggest budget they'd ever shit. had. Don't they did a lot. But these are all interesting <laughs> constituent parts. Do you that's, what, what that's what the aliens look like. And John yeah, and Joss Whedon, have a, they do look like films shit. Don't have a, <laughs> films don't have a hard time looking good. Films have a hard time being good. That's the issue with Covenant. But I'm not, saying, I'm not saying that – I'm not saying it's not – I'm not saying that, it's good. That should be my I'm dating profile. <laughs> there's enough worth <laughs> unpacking in it that is good that it makes it something that you can actually have a conversation about because the distance between what made the movie and how the movie came up is really fascinatingly <clears throat> wide. Like there's a big <clears throat> distance between the people on set making that movie and the movie as it actually came out. And that's why I think it's a movie that's actually interesting to talk about. I, I think that there's a cardinal sin though, and I've discussed this before, and I think you know what I'm going to say, Patrick. The cardinal sin with Alien Resurrection, Dan Hedaya. even with the, no, no, yeah. even with the stuff that, even with the stuff that I could probably, if I had to, look over it. There's one glaring, huge flaw. What do you think I'm talking about? What's the biggest flaw in this film that I cannot get over that makes me not want to watch the film ever again? Uh, I, I will abstain from this and let the other two answer this, and then I'll go. Okay. The, the slapstick awful now. comedy. No, that's not it. No? Gutierrez, what do you think? Bringing Ripley back? For so, no reason at all? You're close. I have You're warm. a number of things going through my head right okay, now. Okay, okay. I'm having so, trouble nailing one of them down. <laughs> Cardinal sin for me, you bring Ripley back and she does nothing. She is useless. She go oh. from the, one of the most important characters in the first three films to this character who's got some interesting genetic stuff going on. It's not She's interesting. Got some well, yeah, yeah, but you know what I mean. Like, it's done. Her character, a little bit, a little yeah, bit. But, like, I mean, in terms of, like, the character being different from the original Ripley, so it's a little bit interesting. Okay, she's different. She's not the same. Uh, who, she's got an eight tattooed on her arm. Okay, whatever. <laughs> there's the, there's a cl- the clone room scene, which I thought was really dynamic. Yeah. Aside from that, yeah, you have the cool. star of the film do nothing. So, like, to me, you don't have a film there. If you can't bring Ripley back, and, again, I, I said this before on an episode. I have to say it again. There's an interview with Joss Whedon where he's talking about when they were talking about writing Alien Resurrection and um, and he's like, you know, I was really afraid that Sigourney Weaver would say, could you write in a cute puppy for me? And I'm thinking, why the fuck are you writing an alien film if that's what you think Sigourney uh, Weaver? If that's what you think Sigourney Weaver was going to say to you while you're writing this film, you have no business writing this film. If yeah, that's the same think, guy who writes in that she she's going to have this impromptu basketball game. Yeah. yeah. Like, How embarrassing is that fucking basketball yeah. sequence? How cringy yeah. is that shit? I, I it's nothing to do. Impossible. Catwoman basketball scene. I know. Which is funny because Pitoff did was in charge of 
the effects for Alien Resurrection, who directed Catwoman. Well, the, oh, the, the costumes, yeah. Oh, so, my and, 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 yeah. and a and th- see, this is another <laughs> great example, Jamie. This is what I'm talking about. So, so Pitoff is a legendary figure in Hollywood and in French, especially in French cinema. He was a legend, and he not only yeah, made yeah. movies are the Pitoff. But he made yeah, fucking true. Catwoman, which is maybe the worst movie I've ever seen in a movie theater in, in, yeah. in my life. I remember <laughs> seeing that with my parents that's as a what kid. We call that. Well, yes, exactly. <laughs> Shitchronicity. <laughs> it is. It is so interesting, right? Like, how the fuck does this stuff happen? You know. God. Well, it happens when you get people who don't understand the tone of the. Like, exactly. it's always interesting with you. You watch or read interviews with Jean-Pierre Genet talking about how much he loved the first film. Well, what did you love about it if you couldn't make a film that was totally in line with it? What did you love about it if you felt like you had to make a comedy? What did you love about it if you had to go and watch big blockbuster films to see how they do it to make an alien film? Like, yeah, it's, it's full of shit. incongruous. But, Is that the right word? Well, um, that's with, the thing. He even says, he's like, not to interrupt, but he even said I think in the the uh, behind the scenes stuff, he's like, I do not know why they would pick me to to make his decision yeah. and all this stuff. And yeah. I was like, there yeah. you go, right there. Like, and he's literally, it. he's literally like, yeah. like at first I did not want to do the film, and then I thought about. It. I'm like, just maybe that was a sign that you maybe shouldn't have done right. the film, right? Yeah, he just done Amelie. It's like one of the but great then, movies of the '90s, oh, you know. Go to Hollywood, like. And big, like, that's not, like, that's how you fuck over an alien film. And, yeah. In, in, yeah, it's just, and again, I do, I will say, I'll walk back some comments. I don't think it's complete garbage. I think there's some marginally interesting things there, but at the same time, you have some, it heavily relies upon films of the past for story beats. Um, heavily, heavily, even though there's some major differences in terms of the aliens being grown there, but then what happens is the same thing that happens in, in the rest of the films. <gasps> they break out, face-hugged chest bursted like point a to point b countdown ripley has to jump into the into the betty oh there's an alien on board we got to get it out it sucked like it's just the same film over and over and what's so funny about this what's so ironic there's a line in aliens at the beginning of the film that ripley says how many different times do you want me to tell the same story no (laughs) how many different ways do you want me to tell the same story and i feel like aliens ben and she does it even in Resurrection. She's like, yeah. they'll breed. You'll die. Yeah. yeah. End of film. Great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> Roll credits. Right? Not yeah, so much. totally. That's right. the whole film. I know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah when I do my uh, Alien rewatch, when I got to Alien Resurrection, I was, it's, like Patrick said, uh, other than Requiem, at least it's as awful as it is. It's somewhat watchable, though. Usually once the newborn comes up, I just go, stop and just stop oh. watching. God, yeah. but um, you know it has a couple funny lines. The Ripley Eight call dynamic, a little interesting at points, especially in the the, the director's cut, whatever the fuck it is. Um, and genre is is pretty badass. But other than that, it's just uh, Christy arguably has the worst acting performance in the entire franchise. Uh, Doctor, you're telling me more of these awkward pause things, awkward pause on board. Uh, <laughs> John are sacrificing himself for no reason. But it's... I can't put them down, man. They're attached to me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, Christy's sacrificing himself. I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, it's... Like, call with the fucking it's... boxing gloves on. I'm like, oh my God. What movie yeah. am I watching? What is this? I will say that was a great visual. Yeah, it was. Walmart buying out Waylon Utani. Go fuck yourself. Again, I can still smell like, that scene. I mean, that just, that just made it a Walmart film. Like, it made that yeah. whole scene. 
made it a film that you'd see in a Walmart bin that nobody wants. Yes. Right. And also the fact that this movie takes place so far in the in the future from the previous film. Like this is uh, such yeah. a leap in time and it looks like yeah. shit. Like there's like no indication that anything is different other than yes. that we're told that with a title card at the beginning. I do have to say though, in this special edition or director's cut or whatever the fuck it is that I've I've never actually watched all the way through, I do like the way it ends more when they actually get yeah, the mirrors. I think that's actually kind of interesting. And um, but I do also want to say that I agree with Jamie, and this is what I knew you were going to bring up, so that's why I didn't want to say it first. That if you, if you are going to bring Ripley back after she has my favorite 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 death sequence in any film ever made in alien three in regardless of the addition of the film you're talking about both of them are just so powerful uh, especially if, given elliot goldenthal's scoring which is just like fucking life-changing the first time you hear that oh yeah so powerful oh, and it is so redemptive terminator death scene <laughs> i do the thumbs up all, all that could have happened is the thumbs up <laughs> and then you're gonna bring her back from that and then make her fucking useless. Yeah. That is just a, a, an Horrible. unimpeachable offense. Yeah. And that is why I was so upset about the whole Blomkamp thing, which we obviously don't need to get into. But I was like, just don't do not do this anymore. Just do not like let her have that death. We can pretend resurrection is just a funny exercise. That's it. Yeah. 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 Should we pick our unpopular opinions? Yes. Or if we're going to do that. That's a great idea. than everyone else's. Of course it is. I said it. Dude, <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to remember what mine was. I had one, and I was like, oh, that's super unpopular. I'll think of it. I'll go first, since I know it would be popular with this crowd. I like Prometheus and think it's just as good as Alien 3. Game over! <laughs> wow. Dave. What? Dave, wow. bitch, personal, you better fucking buckle preference. up. Thanks personal preference. Let's know when you guys have a good night. Dave, uh, there's traffic outside. You should probably play in. Wait a <laughs> <if> you know, <laughs> you're Okay, so let's unpack this for a second. So, 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 so... Give us give us why that's the case for you. Why do you love Prometheus so much, other than the brain damage you suffered as a child? Man, I mean big. These things ain't ants. I know that. Um, well, that's that's still something I'm going to um, therapy for, especially after knowing you guys for a few years. It's really impacted that particular condition. Um, <laughs> I, um... Uh, all right, so we're gonna be serious for a minute. Uh, but for me, for um, for for Prometheus, um, obviously I've been obsessed with this franchise for years, and it kind of it was dead for a while. Um, and Prometheus is really the first movie that I followed from beginning to end. Like I got, I was excited that it was gonna be an Alien prequel. Then I got changed to this weird Prometheus title. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And then when I saw it in the theater, I'm with a bunch of friends, and all of a sudden my um, fandom that was in, stuck in cryosleep came back. Though the movie had its obviously has its um, heavy negatives, I had a blast of a time. This was before I got into any Facebook groups. Um, you know, me and my friends were text messaging each other, going over theories like, "What is this? You know, what's the green stone? Did they create the aliens?" Like we were just going nuts, having these little likes to call them the Prometheus roundtables. As flawed as the movie was. It brought back a lot of the, the mystery and uh, questions for us, which we enjoyed the shit out of. So, for and it, it's one of the few, just like you know, I I can enjoy watching Prometheus and you know reading little articles and breakdowns of it, which was something I hadn't done in years. So it kind of brought me back from the dead in terms of liking the franchise. So that's you know that plays a big part in it. I think that's totally hmm. valid. 
And I think that you can see that. For and sure. I, I, I think you're absolutely right that Prometheus's novelty and how long it took for that to come out from the previous film and the fact that it was a completely new utterance in most ways. And it was really just the first indication we have had of where Ridley Scott was in his filmmaking life at that point and what he wanted to do with this stuff is really interesting and something that is very fun to talk about and to create fan fiction out of and to discuss with friends and family. And it is inspirational because it's very different and it's very interesting. And I can totally get on board with that, but the movie's a fucking ridiculous film. That's fair. I won't, I won't, I'm not close my mouth before I go, Oh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to give you some wordy scrabble SAT words to defend it. It's, that was I, just I a get it, Patrick. <laughs> Absolutely not. There are similar to. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, it's. I know it's not the best movie, but to me, I just enjoy it just as much as Alien Three, just for a complete. You know, it's for completely different reasons. What's your favorite part is, of it? Totally, totally. A what? What's your favorite part of it? A Prometheus. Yeah, Prometheus. Um, I like when they're um exploring the um the, the ship and they see all the vases and the green stuff. You're like, what the fuck is this? It kind of. That's a good triggers a lot for of sure. yeah. It's I, I I thought it was I thought that was pretty cool, and it's all just like the the whole openness of it, which is part of my problems with the sequel is whereas Prometheus asked all these questions, Covenant was like, here's all the questions answered, whether you like them or not. Here you go, and I just prefer okay. the the mystery over you know what Covenant did just for me. Mm. Yeah, I'm on board with that myself. Yeah, I love that the first like three and a half minutes of Prometheus is basically like you could put a tool song over it. It's basically a music video. (laughs) I was like, this is like a tool music video. It was amazing. I thought that was so cool. Well done. Yeah. I've said before on this show, the first 10 minutes of Prometheus are some of my favorite 10 minutes in any alien movie. I I could watch Mm -hmm. that over. And and when I was in Iceland last year, I was like watching this fucking landscape unfold and I was like, whoa, I do love some yeah. things about Prometheus. It's easy to forget that because so much of it is fucking garbage. But it's a, there are things that I love about it, too. It's a beautiful film. I mean, it's amazing to look at. I'd say that there's way more to definitely for me. I think about watching Prometheus and I just think feast for the eyes. And like I've seen in any yeah. film since Alien. Um, Alien 3 isn't as much of a feast for the eyes. There's so much more tonally happening in Alien 3 that's like transfixing. Whereas for me, Prometheus is transfixing visually. And that's what makes up a little bit for it. Even though I can't listen to it, I can watch it every day and just watch yeah. it. It's just gorgeous. It is incredible to see Ridley Scott having gotten to a point in his in his like visual artistry where he can really realize the things that he was sketching out in his Ridley Grams like so ambitiously, you know? I mean, Prometheus is, is an absolute visual feast. I completely agree with you. Dialogue sucks. Fair enough. I can't argue it. <laughs> what, what about you, Michael? Do you have an unpopular opinion you want to share? Um, I don't know how unpopular mine is, uh, but I am 150% against Neil Blomkamp uh, oh. helming an, an alien film at all. Alien 3.5 or, or anything. I don't want to see it. I don't think it's going to come out good. But Jamie's going to do a fucking hashtag bring back Ripley campaign again over here. I bringing back <laughs> Ripley. If, if you can make it work fine, if it's, if, if you're going to make it work and it's, there's a good reason for it. Fine. But Neil, I, I sit, I look at the artwork that he put out and I'm like, this is what you want us to see about this. Uh, and I think the artwork is horrible. It, looks too much like everything else we've been seeing for the last 25 years in the comics. And it's, 
it's a uh, an extrapolation on aliens and that's not what i want to see i want to see something new i want to see something inventive like be an artist you know if you're going to come to this table you you're supposed to bring something new especially with alien cuz there's nothing else like alien out there so don't be regurgitating the same things over and over again bring something new especially if you're going to bring ripley back you, you need a new angle and it can't be stupid like i don't know what the xeno suit thing is that does not look like a good direction that does not look positive to me in any way uh i have i'm i'm a complete downer about about it i know so i'll just shut up now shut up i actually agree i, I agree too to be honest yeah. with you i agree as much as i as much as i wanted to see that it's only because what i we had been seeing was like Where's the so alien that I that I love? Yeah, so yeah. I'd rather bring back a character that I know uh, I could believe in, even though it's the wrong decision to make. Let's not retread, and that's why Alien Three is brilliant because it's made different choices. Part exactly. of me was like, "What else is there? What else is there to root for?" So yeah, sure, bring her back. But I completely like, agree with you. Couldn't be worse than Ripley, uh, right? I guess. Yeah, maybe. It's, uh, and that's what it, I it would probably it would probably be <laughs> it would probably be better than both Covenant and Prometheus. I am the ultimate badass. Yes. To be honest with you, what the it would fuck, be. Jamie? What are you talking about? <laughs> In terms of a dialogue it, and... Motherfucker! Come on! I, I'm, not, I'm not... Even though it's... Jerk off. Unwarranted. You, you really think that? Listen, Neil Blomkamp, oh, okay, uh, one, to, for the 300th time in the show, Neil Blomkamp oh, 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 made boy. one great movie 12 years ago or whatever it was at this point. And since then, he's made a couple of okay movies, a, a bad movie, and then he's been kicked off of like five projects in a row. And now he has an independent studio yeah. that is not going anywhere because it's a crowdfunded platform that basically the only way he can make movies he wants to make is with this platform. And, and those movies are like kind of interesting to watch but like i don't see anything great about them i have no mm. i have no trust in him as a filmmaker i think also no. district nine is something that was successful because it was an interesting allegory for us to unpack as a global film going audience but i also think that a lot of filmmakers who grew up during the apartheid era in south africa probably probably would have had a similar lens into it maybe they wouldn't mm. have had the idea to marry science fiction to that idea but like that was a great idea that might not have been unique to him, but it was a great idea and he executed it well. I think District 9 is a pretty good movie with an amazing idea behind it. And I see no reason I think that he is the person who should have been given the fucking crown to make the next Alien mm -hmm. movie. And I'm, I'm, I'm upset that people would go so far as to not only defend that vision, but also to say that we should fucking rewrite the, the history that we've had now for 20 years with Alien 3, which all of us on this show tonight, except for Gogol, but he doesn't count because he's crazy, are agreeing is one of the greatest films in the entire franchise. It is a fucking masterpiece. I and never you're said telling that. me that you... never said that? You never said what? <laughs> I never said Alien 3 wasn't one of the greatest movies in the franchise. Yeah, so you love it too, right? Okay, so so like... Of course I do. I just said it was one of the top three before. Are you listening to me? Right, right. No, I, 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 don't, I don't listen to anything. <laughs> So like, so my, my headphones are actually on. All I can hear is myself. I am the ultimate jerk off. So like, I, we are all saying this, and everybody in fandom agrees that Alien Three is an amazing triumph. And if you want to fucking write it off as a dream sequence, go ahead. But I, I don't want to do that. You know, I don't want to. Mm -hmm. I don't want to retread it. Uh, it's so that notion is so ridiculous to me. We've lived with Alien Three. It's canon yeah. at this point. You know, and, and it's. Like we'd said, you know, ever since that, the, uh, you know, we've had a complete rebirth in the last 
16 years since the quadrilogy and the, the extended uh, version of Alien 3, it's pretty well accepted now. There are still mm-hmm. a lot of people who are unsatisfied with it or flat out don't like it, but I think we there's a far more people now who yeah. like it than A don't. lot of people widely regard Alien 3 as, as their favorite now. It's nowhere near uncommon. It's completely yeah, very rejuvenated. Yeah, absolutely. Isn't that crazy to see that happening in real time? Like, we are all here for this, guys, on the yeah. ground floor of this, yeah. like, sea yeah. change in opinion on this movie. Yeah. And it's amazing. You know, Gogol, it, I have to say, you are one of the only people who's made me think twice about this before, to your credit, because I had my headphones on so I could hear you when you were saying this. You were mentioning the the, <laughs> the, the, the Bloomhouse stuff and specifically the Halloween reboot. Um, and I agree with you that in overriding, you know, me- well, we're going to see this again momentarily with fucking Terminator, the dark shit that's coming out. Oh um, my god! <laughs> that like that you can you can get to a point where you say okay, let's clean the slate and let's do a reboot that takes off after the original movie or movies and um, sort of sets a new narrative direction and you can pull it off really well as Bloomhouse did with Halloween. Totally get that, but the th- it's so different because the Halloween universe, which I also love, like I know you do, Gogol, that is something that has just become so ridiculous over time. Kind oh yeah, of, it's kind gotten of out of control. In- it's gotten like intentionally yeah. campy and then it's kind of like stupid. But also like the 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 universe that it that it operates in has not grown. You know, we had the Strode family, and then we had this cult, and then we had the, and then all of a sudden he's like Modern magical, either. and then it's like, okay, yeah. let's just get rid of that shit, right? With Alien, like all these movies are different, and they operate in a shared universe that's expanding and really interesting, and there's a lot going on in this shared universe, and like to to throw it to jettison it out the window to me would be missing out on a lot of great opportunities for storytelling, and so that's one reason why I would different. No, no, I, I, you but guys, you did make me I'm think sure about it. You guys remember I was a big proponent of the. Neil Bloomkamp, Alien whatever is 3.75. I, at first, I thought it was a great idea. But as time has gone on, I realized, yeah, this is not a good idea. I'm. It'd be great to have Ripley back, but like you guys, to echo what you guys said, it, it has to be done right. And now I'm just all about, if we're going to do another Alien movie, let's just do something new. If you want to close out the trilogy, whether it's in the, yeah. the comics or an animated show or a novel, that's fine. Or if it gets a movie, I'm fine, obviously fine with that, too. But if you want to do, let's do something fucking new. Forget, unless you want to mention just like the events of it happening, which would make exactly sense. new characters, new story. You could. There's so much of the timeline to play with. You could do it at the same time. You could do it after Aliens, during it, before Alien Three. There's there's so much universe to explore out there. You don't have to be connected to the same characters, the same story, the same ship, the same planets. These fucking xenomorph bastards are fucking everywhere. There's enough Whalen Yutani outposts where you could make up some sort of story. We don't need the same connected universe. We don't need some MCU bullshit and fucking alien. Just do something brand new. Give a new yep. audience, the old audience, give them something new to connect to. Just forget making everything connect the dots. Do something brand new. Kickstart a new franchise. Boom, done. Totally I think they would have done friend. that at this point if uh, if I they agree. hadn't been in the middle of you know started up this whole Ridley Scott engine like yeah that's that's a problem now. too like 2008 yeah. 2009 is when they were I think 2009 yep. is when they were really starting pre production officially so yeah. that's when Ridley Scott I mean, some remember him saying oh I'm gonna do six movies no 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 you're not <laughs> yeah <laughs> well yeah, I mean I would, to answer go ahead oh well, I'm I just want to agree with Dave that uh, I think that yeah maybe give it a mention but start something completely mm-hmm. new. Like, we don't need Ripley. Her story's over. Alien 3 ended it perfectly. We can ignore Resurrection. Most people <laughs> do. And just carry it forward. Like, yeah, I'm sorry. I, there was no need for me to say that. No, no. <laughs> no I, I, I just Story think, of my uh, life. 
a reminder, uh, and Patrick and I have discussed this at length, a reminder as to why that Neil Blomkamp's idea was initially like, whoa, this might be exciting, because mm-hmm. Prometheus had just released uh, a couple years earlier, and people were like, what the fuck is this? And mm-hmm. so we have this pivot to nostalgia. We pivot to, and I'm not saying we should at all, um, and we've Good. seen where that's... We, we, <laughs> and, but I have those instincts too where it's like, and I've been struggling with fandom myself with sort of finding like, well, what is there to be interested about? We don't know if movies are coming. They haven't made any announcements. The prequels have been wildly uneven, often unsuccessful, yet successful. Just just this kind of amalgamation of I don't know what. And so when I hear that the idea of someone that I have believed in and I do believe in, I still believe in, I think about it every day in terms of being brought back. I'm thinking, and I've said these same words before, what else do you have for me? Because what I'm seeing is not is not sitting with me. So not to say that, oh, let's just go back to do what's easy because I agree. That's just easy. That's too easy. And that story has been wrapped up and we need to get away from Ripley. We need to get away from Amanda Ripley. We need to get away from all of it. This isn't the MCU. This isn't star Wars. And we need to find a director like Christopher Nolan or someone who can, or yeah, Alex Garland for sure. Um, And I also would agree that, Blomkamp isn't the guy for it, probably. Uh, I, I, and if he is going to make an alien film, it's going to have to be written by someone who can write and not someone who can sort of write. And he, I thought Elysium had some great ideas in it, but it, and it was eventually Fern Gully and Avatar and that same kind of white man savior story that's so prominent in films a lot. Does and, anybody talk it, about it? No. Uh, no, right? uh, you're the only person I've heard bring that name up in the last two years. Like, that's a movie that just came and went and fucking disappeared because it's not memorable you know it's forgettable i like the movie but it's forgettable i saw it twice in the theater the first time i was like oh a little problematic i left the second time like what the fuck was this like i was like this movie was i had so many problems with that movie not to say that it wasn't well acted and well put together those are all great things merits to the film but if you don't have a story if you don't have believable characters you don't have a film and that's the problem with the prequels you don't have characters people can believe in you don't have a film robots don't count we're some real pretty shit now man Mm. or go by We can we can we can unpack that on another episode. Okay. <laughs> My unpopular opinion that I can share just really quickly, and we don't even have to talk about it, but just to just to share it before we wrap, and then we we'll get to Jamie's, um, is that no amount of beautiful artwork or audible dramas or novelizations or fan films can change the fact that William Gibson, despite being one of the great writers of our time, wrote an absolute <clears throat> shit script for Alien Three twice. Yep. Yep. twice and the fucking second one was worse than the first one and this is something that my very dear friend Aaron Percival who actually was almost on the show but his internet is still getting set up but he'll come on to defend this at some point he loves Damn that script Aaron. he thinks it is great I totally respect Aaron so much intellectually and as a person you are fucking wrong Aaron but I love you I feel like the Gibson script, listen, I read Neuromancer, I'm a huge Gibson fan, I completely understand his place in the pantheon of late 20th century artists and writers, I think Johnny Christmas is an incredibly gifted comic artist, I don't think his style necessarily fit um, an alien title, but it would push it in a neat direction that I appreciated and I really enjoyed reading. Um, I think that Tamara Bonvalin did a great job with the colors. I think that there were a lot of things going for that comic adaptation. I don't think the story fucking holds up at all. And I don't think it's anybody's fault. I just think it's a great thing that they moved away from that script 30 whatever years ago 
um, and went to Vincent Ward, who made it weird again. I think that, you know, Michael, <laughs> you were mentioning the political um, aspects of it. I And I, I could tell that you weren't like 100% sold on it because I'm not either. Like, I get that the ideas could potentially be interesting if they were handled deftly. <clears throat> you have these kind of proto-communists and these proto-capitalists in some kind of a battle. But it's like so on the nose and so kind of sophomoric and, and so obvious and so like uh, simple. And William Gibson is not a simple writer, you know, his, 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 which, yeah, go ahead. Which all I'm, all I'll say is that sometimes I feel like his, his heart wasn't totally in writing an alien film. Clearly. I feel like they went to him and they were like, Hey, we need, we want something a little bit more highbrow, you know, like this is an alien film. This is what we're going for. And he's like, "Mm, uh, all right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know, and then there was like, a writer strike in the middle of it. And then he was like, am I still doing this yeah. project? Like, who's paying me for sure. this? And it feels like that. It feels yeah, like fan service, but like yeah. through the lens of a really erudite high schooler or something. It just doesn't feel like a real, mm-hmm. a real script to me. And I, and I feel like, you know, we've had this Dirk Mags thing on Audible, which I think is not very good. Apologies to him because he's a great director and I'm not taking anything away from the work that the cast did. It was amazing having Michael Bean back and Lance Hendrickson. I don't think the Audible drama is very good. I don't think the comics were that great. Although again, Johnny Christmas is a fucking brilliant artist. I think that, um, it's just, we have all these great people trying to make the story work. And it just doesn't for me in a, in a kind of a deep way. And, um, and I'm glad that we didn't get it made because I think it would have actually been deleterious to the progression of this series as a whole. Sure. You know? Yeah. Well, they, it was going to be a two parter too. There was going to be a fourth one as right. well. I, and right. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I, I'm happy with what we got. Me too. And, and I will say one, one other oh, thing about just before that and then Jamie we can toss it off to you and you can give us your your unpopular opinion we can close one other thing I want to say something that came up multiple times like at least three or four times in this thread was people had an unpopular opinion that they were happy that Hicks and Newt were killed off at the beginning of Alien 3 and I share that opinion 100% I share that opinion again that is Vincent Ward that was him making a spur of the moment decision to put Ripley in a different emotional place and not have her carry the baggage of the previous film and I think that that was an artistic impulse that he responded to that was genuine and valid for the film and it set up her ultimate redemptive arc which is that the universe can take everything away from you you can go through fucking three movies and have everything stripped all the way down to your femininity at the end of at the, by the end of the, of the third movie. He is, she is just like a fucking avatar. She is nothing. Everything has been taken away and she still has choice. She still has power in that moment. And that's what's heroic about Ripley, right? And that wouldn't be the case if she had a love interest, if she had a proto child, if she had a family structure, that would not be as powerful. But she, but she lost absolutely everything and she did not lose her ability to take control of her death and that is fucking Mm. profound and i am so glad that we had a studio system set up in the in the early 90s that allowed that script to happen the way that it was finally somehow frankenstein together because it is an amazing artistic achievement and fucking batshit crazy i'm really glad about it amen brother uh so my unpopular opinion is that I don't think that Ridley Scott is a good director anymore. And I think what's happened, if you see his films, his earlier films up into the mid nineties, uh, where he could take his time, his films, they just had a, a quiet pace about them. They, he, he had a more, my favorite word, cerebral quality to his filmmaking, his films within the last few years are they're cranked out because he's a businessman now mm. he's he's almost like the head of a corporation and his films yep. reflect that and i'm not saying he's worthless he's whatever i'm not saying any of those things but 
I look at his films, and the one film that's been marginally good or entertaining, which was uh, Matt Damon's The Martian, yes. I thought that was really enjoyable. I thought visually it was boring as fuck. Um, It was like the most (laughs) boring visual. And it was like Ridley Scott was like, okay, I guess I could make this film. He didn't seem very interested in it. It was a script somebody offered him. It was sort of science fiction, but it wasn't science fiction. I I just, I'm not saying, I'm not trying to shit on Ridley Scott. I respect his, what he's done, you know, kingdom of heaven. I mean, I I can, we can all list films that he's made up into the mid nineties that are profound and amazing. Because also right, uh, right before kingdom of heaven, he had black Hawk down. He had gladiator. He had really amazing triumphs. Artistic. Hannibal was 2004. I think Hannibal was fantastic. And it had a, a a lyrical quality to it that, and a a slowness, a a methodical patience that his films Mm. do not have anymore. And he seems like someone who is sort of in it for the business and not for the art. Whereas before in the beginning, he was in it for the art, not for the business. That's just, I mean, I could be completely wrong, but for me, my evidence is in the films that he's released. I think especially not so much Prometheus, but more Covenant, just because it just seemed like he didn't want to make the film. You could tell, I could tell there wasn't any much visual interest. There wasn't much interest in the xenomorphs themselves. He just seemed yeah. disinterested in his, like, oh yeah, they want me to make this movie with these aliens that I'm not interested in. But, oh sure, this part, and the most, some of the most engrossing moments in Covenant had surrounded David, surrounded David and, and, and Walter, for sure. That's where his heart is. In fact, he just finished Raised by Wolves, which was shot in Cape Town in South Africa about a story about human children being raised by AI. And I, that's where his heart is right now. And I think this, the show might be amazing because that's where his heart is. His heart is not an alien anymore. He said it over and over and over. The aliens played out. It's done. It's done. It's done. And vo- voila, Covenant. You, you could hear it in the commentary. Like, I want, like usually anything with Ridley Scott, I'm a huge Ridley Scott fan. Just listen to the commentary or the master class in Covenant. I'm like, Jesus Christ, he sounds completely interested. <laughs> I mean, it's like, he's like, he's like, oh, like the most thing he was excited about was I got the movie under two hours, just like the bosses wanted. Oh, Jesus Christ. Come on, man. This isn't why I worship you. I'm like, come on, dude. This isn't a factory. It's the only franchise you helped birth. Like, come on, bro. And he could do whatever he wants to, but he, yeah, of course, he's more, more concerned with budget. I mean, obviously that's a big concern for directors. Directors are given money by studios. They have to come in on budget or under budget and that's what he talks about that's what he talks about in his interviews yeah 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 his heart is in is like you could see it in in covenant when he talks about anything with ai i think that's i think that's what he wants i mean as i have joked he's like i can't make blade runner 2049 so i'll put blade runner 2050 in an alien movie you know it's uh, (laughs) you know it's obviously i'm exaggerating but it's uh, he he seems more into that and like you said i think that that what he just produced is going to be good i just don't he just didn't he has no interest in the alien at all anymore have you guys seen that that latest commercial that he i think it was a chanel yeah oh actually i didn't like it at all to be honest with you it felt as disjointed and as incoherent Uh as his Uh films and i just felt like even the effects were like obviously digital effects obviously didn't feel organic and and i wasn't trying to like shit on i was like oh whoa a ridley scott commercial and i watched it Mm. i'm like I like, I was like, this just looks like something he's like, yeah, I'll do a commercial. Sure. 
And that's and all. The remember, had he it. basically rewrote the rules on how to make commercials in the 1980s. Yep. His company totally. changed the totally. way we think about commercial art. So, I, mm. Jamie, I agree with you. I think that. But, but what's frustrating about this is that that Ridley Scott is still there, and we see him in films that he makes. He's still there. The artist, the brilliant artist, is still there, but he's yeah. also being subsumed in a lot of cases by a studio, and and knowing that he is a business model that has to function, and that he has like stakeholders that he has to appeal to, and that he's going to move on because he's running out of time because his brothers are both dead. He's been through a lot of trauma in his life. He wants to finish his shit up and he wants to do some things. And when he gets a chance to really nail it, like he does in the AI scenes in Covenant. Like, I mean, you say he didn't want to make Covenant. I, I think I think what you're really saying, and, and if you are, I agree with you. I think he did want to make Covenant. He didn't want to have Xenomorphs in it. I think that he had yeah. a film that yes. he was really yes. excited about, and then he kind of had that shoehorned in a little bit. I am okay with it because the rest of the movie that is non-xenomorphic in it is so strong to me that by the time the Xenomorphs show up, I look at them as icing on the cake as opposed to being shoehorned into it. But I can totally see people thinking like, oh, this feels like a different film all of a sudden. That's totally valid. But then there's movies like The Counselor, okay? We don't talk about The Counselor on this on this podcast very much, although we, we probably should, because in a lot of ways, that is really Scott outside of a studio. And that is a movie that is a fucking mess, and it is a really fascinating mess, okay? The Counselor came out, it is, for one thing, a Cormac McCarthy screenplay, which is in itself, like, a, a, an amazing thing to have on this planet. It stars, like, the biggest, most expensive talent of the early 2010s, and it came out right around the time of Prometheus. It is a completely interesting film that is absolutely terrible in some ways. In a lot of ways. It is terrible. But in a lot of ways, it is brilliant. And I think that um, The Counselor is a wonderful little microcosm into who Ridley Scott is right now in his filmmaking career, which is, I think, somewhat unmoored. And I think we see that in the in the art that's coming out. And I really feel like his brother's death, and this is, again, a huge generalization, but I feel like Tony's death was a shock to him that he was, like, not going to be here forever and that he needed to kind of get moving on stuff. And I've seen this accelerative quality to the work that he's putting out, especially as a producer, because he's producing everything. And I have to say... You know, as much as the first season of The Terror is one of, like, the great achievements in television of the last 10 years to me, the second season is fucking garbage, and he's still producing yeah, it. Yeah, it is. It is fucking garbage, and I am so upset about really? that. Really? Because the I first season it was so I was good. Really, I was really had yeah. some high hopes for it. I because hate of the subject it. matter. It's terrible. It is so bad, Dave, right? And and this is really Scott, right? He is still a brilliant artist, but there are other things in his mm. head going on competing for that space, and sometimes those things are winning. And I don't think that started happening until maybe about 2010, 2011, Prometheus coming out, things started changing for him, his brother died shortly right around that time. Um, and I think that that was a wake-up call to him, and I don't think that wake-up call was necessarily a good one. Well, and I also mm. I think a really important thing to realize or to understand, at least in my understanding of not just directors, but artists in general, a lot of artists who are struggling, they have a lot to say. They have a lot to say. They have a, a lot to bring to the world, whether you're a musician or a composer or a painter or a writer. And oftentimes we're always working on that great big piece, that great big thing that we want to bring to the world. And sometimes Magnum they're, opus, right? yeah, yeah. And I think Ridley Scott was at a point in his life where he had, his talent was so bright that he was given a, a platform to do it. And there was struggle and there was strife. Blade Runner, 
even legend and certainly Amen. There was struggle, there was difficulty, and masterpieces were born. I don't think legend is a masterpiece, mm. but it's certainly a very singular <laughs> film, very interesting film. Um, however, but it's good. It's good. Yeah. But but oftentimes these filmmakers who start aging, they they become millionaires. They sort of said what they could had to say. They don't. I feel like Ridley Scott, much like Ron Howard, they don't have anything to say anymore. Ron Howard's films have all been shit too. And they've been really well made. They've been really well put together. And this like eh, story's kind of eh, eh. like, and I, I just feel like that's where Ridley Scott is in his life is he is, he's said what he needed to say. And I, I, I don't want to like cast him off. Like he's, I'm done. Like you can go home now. You can retire. I'm not trying to say that either, but it's, I think when you've lived a life where you're sort of, you have six different homes and you live in castles and you, you know, your friends are the elite people. It's hard to connect with regular people anymore. And I, and that certainly it reflects you in your art. And I feel like much like a lot of, much like George Lucas, when he made the prequels, you know, he was a billionaire by that point. And he wrote these stories that had good bones, but no one could relate to. I was just Nobody. about to bring that up. That exact same thing. George Lucas is the perfect case study for this, right? Because he had THX yeah. 138, which was brilliant and yeah. crazy and subversive. He had American Graffiti, which was a masterpiece. He had A New Hope. And then, like, what the fuck happened to him, right? Something happened. And that is something that James Cameron has managed to elude, by the way. I think he still makes movies that are really fascinating, although there's not very many of them coming out. There's something that happens with directors. And I don't know if it's about, like, becoming out of touch with, like, the proletariat, although maybe that's part of it. What does that mean? Like the working, like the normal people, like the, okay. you know, those of us who aren't James Cameron or Ridley Scott uh, okay. or George Lucas. But I think that there, the, part of it is, here's an idea, okay. There is a personality type that really flourishes when they are working with. <laughs> I just saw the Rensler book in the background of somebody's video. There, there's a, yeah, sorry. There's a mine's right near me too. Don't worry about it. There's a personality type that really flourishes in the context of having artistic restrictions. Okay. So, like, for example, when Ridley Scott was making The Duelist and when he was making Alien, and especially when he was making Blade Runner, he was not a fucking dictator. He was working really hard against a studio that was constantly saying to him, you have to prove that you can do this. You have to prove that you can justify getting another $2 million. You have to prove that we don't have to get in the way of you having this thematically inappropriate thing coming out in the movie because you think it's an artistically good choice, right? George Lucas, when he was making American Graffiti, was paying for that shit out of his pocket. That was as a USC student, right? He was working so hard to get that movie made. A lot of early directors who are brilliant flourish because they have something so desperately to prove to the world and they will do anything to make it work they will subsist on hershey bars and fucking cocaine in a dorm room for weeks and come up with a sci-fi opus that will be legendary right but what happens when you don't have anything to prove when you're just universally regarded as a genius and you don't have to do anything for anybody you can make whatever movie you want to fucking make and like jamie you and i know from having spoken with people at fox who shall remain nameless ridley scott basically gets his way if he wants to do something like okay he's gonna get to do it like we're not gonna say you can't fucking make that movie right and that is what is happening now with him is he is getting the ability to be lazy. It doesn't mean that he is lazy, because he's not. He's incredibly productive. But he can be when he wants to be. He doesn't have to prove himself anymore. And I think that's part of it, personally. And and you also have other directors, I would say. Obviously, David Fincher is not the age of Ridley Scott. David Fincher is in his 50s. 
But David Fincher, I don't, he's not made, there's one arguable, arguably bad film that he's made in his panic room, which I don't like at all. It was very well made. It's just a very well made movie. It is very well made. It's funny. I was, I was at a, a a focus screening with David Fincher for that film. Um, I ripped it to shreds too. (laughs) Um, But, but you have filmmakers who like Terrence Malick and Fincher and other people who aren't these megalomaniacs or these Meglo millionaires who can't get everything made. So they have to work in the system. You have like David Fincher was on um, world war Z part two and it got canceled by the studio. If it was Ridley Scott, that movie wouldn't have been canceled because he's Ridley Scott. So you have people like him who are still struggling to get their movies made. Despite the fact that he's made fight club and all of those amazing films, he still has to struggle within the system to get his films made. That means he's got a lot more to say. He's got a lot more to prove. Like, you know, George Lucas, who said he was going to sell Lucasfilm and go off and make experimental films. And he hasn't done shit, um, probably because still he's still butthurt over the backlash from the prequels, to be honest with you. Um, and that's a lot of criticism to get over. Um, I, I don't think that I think it's it's almost like success has made a failure of our homes, that that famous quote. And oftentimes you blow your load on the first first few films you you get this you get this you get all this money you get all this acclaim you get all this power you can do whatever you want and then you don't really have much to say and it comes through in your films and i think that's where ridley scott is it's not that you're right patrick all of those things are still in him i just think his priorities his creative priorities are elsewhere they're more attuned to the business as they are to to the actual art however i think the litmus test will be raised by wolves because he's so involved and he's directed quite a few of the episodes and he's been involved with that show from the beginning um, in terms of being a producer, being a director, being all of, all of those things. It could be some of the best thing he's done in a long, long time because that's where his heart is. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it's also unfortunate. And at the same time, people change, people change. Like I, you know, I'm an, I'm an artist. I, I, I'm a writer. I do all of those things and my work in 15 years might not be as good as my work now. It's possible, you know. It is and possible, that- but but it is specifically a director's conundrum. And and you bring up Terrence Malick, who I know is one of your favorites. He's also one of my favorite directors of all time. But I want to point him out as as one final case study as we close, right? So he had this huge hit, which is kind of uncharacteristic for him in the Tree of Life, right? Before that, he had the New World, which was kind of like a what the fuck movie. He had oh movie. that movie is amazing. It is a brilliant I movie, but the box office did not agree with that, and people oh, yeah. in general, of course, of course, were, yeah, right. And, and it was just a movie that kind of landed with. A thud and it's since been reevaluated as much more than we kind of thought it was when it came out but before that you know he had the thin red line which was another one of these it's it's a fucking masterpiece and i'm not saying it's not a masterpiece and that was his first return in films in like, like 15 20 years. years or something yeah right? maybe 20 yeah. and then there's like a decade almost that goes by he has the new world and then like another almost decade goes by and he has the tree of life and the tree of life gets a lot of press because it's like his return and i think the tree of life is one of the great films of our era i completely Absolutely. completely feel yep. like that is a masterpiece and then what happens he makes and i pulled it up here he makes to the wonder the next year bad movie he makes knight of cups three years later bad movie he makes voyage yeah, of time yeah. for imax which doesn't count song to song which i haven't seen yet and now he has another one coming either. out of hidden life so in the last four years he's had four movies coming out right this is what happens these directors yeah. finally get to a place where they're treated as the geniuses that they are and they are they are brilliant yeah. people. These these people were talking. And no about. one's saying no to them. And no nobody one's says saying no. no. People say, "Hey, you know what? You made money. You made art. Fucking do whatever you want." And when they do what they want, it doesn't actually work that well because they had to have something to prove. 
Yeah, I, I think saying no is a good thing. Like I think surrounded, being surrounded by people who can say, or a studio that says, yeah, we we think you should work on this a little bit. Or and I think Ridley Scott was within those confines with Covenant. To be honest with you, he was working for a studio that was saying this is what we want to see, and so his reaction to that was to, and this sort of gets to some of the issue that I have with the aliens in covenant. It wasn't so much the, their presence. It's just a lack of reverence for them and alien and alien three and an aliens. There's some reverence for these creatures in, in covenant. There's no reverence. You go into alien mode, like alien visual mode at a certain point on the ship. It's like, you don't give a shit about these things. No. They're just no. these. And that was to me like, okay, I can live with everything else. You bring an alien. And even the, the, the backburster, which is an incredible scene that was reverent. That was hollowed ground. That was a scene that's like in that going to be in the history books for one of the most brutal scenes I've ever seen in my life. And it was treated with those like holy gloves. And then the rest wasn't um, unfortunately. And as somebody who always defends covenant on the show, I will say I defend it with this internal mythos that I formed that says that that was a protomorph and not the final xenomorph. And that's why it didn't get the reverence that it deserved in the end of that movie. That is my Perhaps. way of coping with that and loving that movie Got the it. way that I love it is that that is Got not it. actually big chap. Right. So like, so if that's proven wrong, so, you know, go, Dave, you were mentioning before, like maybe we don't need another movie. Maybe we can have a book. We can have a tie in. We can kind of like wrap this prequel trilogy up. I'm okay with that because I don't necessarily want the xenomorph in Alien, who is my favorite villain, quote unquote, in any film ever made, other than Roy Batty, to be, um, you know, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't want it to be treated with that lack of respect. So I've made this this personal decision to treat it like it's a different creature altogether. Jamie, I totally agree with you on that, and I think that um, this has been a wonderful discussion, and we can wrap and. I just want to say thank you to everybody who participated in this thread on building better worlds. If you're not already in the group, like please join up. There is so much going on there. We kind of had this epiphany a few weeks ago where we were like, you know what? People really like, even though there's not much going on outside of the, of the expanded universe right now, people really want to talk and connect. So like, let's just get out there and start talking to people. And as you can see, it's resulting in actual episodes like this. We did not, we had an episode planned for tonight on pre-production, which you'll hear soon. We decided to not do that episode because this thread was so fun in Building Better Worlds. It totally changed the course of this show. So like you guys in Building Better Worlds are actually dictating the trajectory of this chicken shit outfit. And it is a huge honor to be able to talk about what you guys are talking about and to unpack it together with great friends late at night, two beers deep into what has been a really fun conversation. So thank you guys personally. <laughs> Yes, thank you, thank you. And uh, check out xenomorphing.com to see more of what Dave has to say. And Michael, where can people mm -hmm. find your work? Michaelskideri.com. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks for being on. An hour and forty minutes later. Yeah. Good, good episode. I knew. I knew awesome. it would be this long. And that's. And I, you know, we could do yeah, this all night. And don't forget, Ash. <laughs> uh, the the fan fiction comic is dropping any day now from Michael. So be on the lookout for that. The artwork looks fucking crazy good. The story seems Thanks. super fascinating. It's got a lot of buzz around it in the fan community. So stay tuned. Michael's got this coming out, and uh, one hundred percent pick it up. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Bye. Later. For more on Perfect Organism, the Alien Saga podcast, please visit PerfectOrganism.com. Perfect Organism is available for listen or download through Podbean, iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, and Spotify. If you'd like to support the show, please visit PerfectOrganism.com forward slash support. Thank you. Game over!